and welcome to Say Hi to the Future, a podcast aimed at highlighting the human side of ingenuity, clever, inventive, and original thinking. My name is Ken Tenser, CEO of SpiderWorks, a leading business consultancy for mid-market organizations and entrepreneurs globally. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. With me today is Nita Tandon, CEO and founder of Dalsini, award-winning makers of toxic-free, easy-to-use, infinitely recyclable housewares. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Nita Tandon, welcome to Say Hi to the Future. Hello, thank you for having me. So Nita, you have a pretty interesting pivot in your career, if, if, if you want to call it that, as I understand, and it's, it's a pretty personal one too. You, you had a, a long-standing career in pharmaceutical sciences, and you took a step away to become a mom, and uh, it seemed like your life changed in many ways at that point. It did. It did. So I never anticipated being an entrepreneur. So I think that's the start is that um, I think I'd naturally have always been a find a solution type person. Um, Mm -hmm. And after 20 years in the pharmaceutical industry, I was also a little bit of a research nerd that during my lunch breaks, I would read all sorts of articles. And one that always stood out to me, not one, but the topic of BPA, so bisphenols. Um, and just how prevalent it was and how it was disrupting our natural hormones and all of this was really sort of top of mind. Well, then, you know, I leave the pharmaceutical industry and I then have a child. So a lot of the talk of BPA was happening um, 2008, 2009. Um, And then in 2009, Health Canada declared BPA toxic to human health and the environment and subsequently banned BPA in baby bottles, but it was only in baby bottles. And so when I ended up having my daughter in 2010, I thought, well, it's, it's in everything. It's in food containers. It's in plastic wrap. It's in all these things. And if I knew better, I had to do better. And, uh, and that's where the, 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 you know, let me find a solution type thinking came. And when I took what I knew in science with what I needed as a house owner or a homeowner and as a mom. And so I needed the practical. And I ended up reaching back to my heritage, which is uh, I was originally born in India. And um, sustainability, we didn't, t- you know, we didn't talk about sustainability. We didn't talk about in those words, but essentially stainless steel has been that product. And so what I wanted to do was use what's worked for 2 billion people and make it work for North America. And, and that's really the start. And so, so tell us then, I mean, because the company now that your CEO and founder of is Dalsini, um, Dalsini Stainless. So tell us about those products. Like what were your first products? How did you, you know, translate this dream or this finding into an award-winning company? Um, well, I think, I, you know, it started with, let me look into my cupboards. Um, so Dalcini is uh, a word that we just ended up creating. And Dalcini, the word is actually an Indian word that sounds Italian, uh, or the pronunciation <laughs> is Italian. And that's because my, my husband is Italian, I'm, South, uh, I'm East Indian. And so we wanted something that was, it sounded um, like it meant something to us, but it's a made up word. It, it really means nothing. So we started with that and everything going forward had to be uh, something that resonated uh, sort of to the core. And really how it started was I opened up my cupboards and I have a cup that I have 
had for 40 years. And I thought, I want this quality in stuff that I would use every day in other things. And it's started with me turning that cup upside down. And I said, well, who made this one? Let me start with that manufacturer and then build from there. As a mom, you would, you pack snacks always. There's always, you know, little treats and things in your purse. And so I started with what would be the size of container that I would want to have as I'm packing, uh, you know, a bag for kids. So it started with lunch containers and I had two, one was a sandwich container, one was a snack container, but we've really evolved. And so if that was my starting point, my, my solution that I needed, it really moved into what do I store my leftovers at home in? What do I, you know, what is the straw that I put in the drink? What is, and so it really just grew to what do I need and how can I slowly start replacing everything in my kitchen to stainless steel, just remove as much plastic as I possibly can. You know, I I think one, I just got to just point out, I mean, it's a fantastic story from an innovation perspective, because one one of the things we always speak to or that that I write about in in, in what I do is the fact that you have found something that helps people, like in terms of um, avoiding a chemical that ultimately was banned and builds in utility, that to me is is the perfect equation um, for an innovative product coming to market. And so I just, you know, give, give kudos to you for that and for how you articulate it, but also for our listeners and viewers to say that this is really, uh, it's, it's great thinking and it's great application. So thank you. And, and I would agree. I think, you know, when you're looking for solutions, you shouldn't look at what's going to make you money. You should look at what's going to solve a problem. And, and yeah. for me, this clearly was solving a problem. I would actually go looking for stainless steel that was on the market and when I looked at it, I said, if this is you be- the best you got, like, there's got to be better uh, because a lot of the stainless steel that's on the market, believe it or not, still has the chemicals that we're trying to avoid. So they are either chemically dipped for shine. They either have color on it so that they've got um, paint that could contain lead. It has, um, you know, the, the welding on it has chemicals in there. It has BPA resins on the inside lining. So even something that we view as, well, there's already stuff on the market. The truth is it's not still solving my problem. And one is definitely the health side of it, but the other is the recyclability of it as well. When you start mixing materials, you can no longer recycle it. And so a lot of stainless steel is still ending up in landfills, even though stainless steel on its own is infinitely recyclable. That's the beauty of it. Uh, but right now, a lot of the products that are on the market are still ending up in landfill where, you know, something that could be such a beautiful solution, we've created another problem. So how, how do you take us through the process? Because I think, again, I mean, <laughs> you, you could create a, a case for just about any business school, the way you're discussing this, um, because it's not then just stainless steel. And that was one of my questions. You talk about infinitely recyclable. You talk about... Um, it isn't all stainless steel that is good for you. How do you go through that process of understanding, A, the utility, uh, B, the problem you're solving, and C, don't fall into a trap of creating another one? I mean, what, what, what did that journey look like for you? You know, it's, it's interesting because I innately am a very simple person. And so I'm that person who doesn't like to have... Um, you know, all these gadgets in the kitchen that, that serve one thing only. I think there was like years ago that you bought this orange peeler and it's great for oranges and you buy something else that's good for something else. I needed simplicity everywhere. And the other side of simplicity is also that 
the garbage part of it. Like I hated seeing the amount of garbage that I'm putting out every week. And so if something was really simple to use, like, you know, I'm using, say, plastic wrap or, you know, uh, an instant container, it's not simple to dispose of. And so for me, simplicity is the entire cycle. And so my solution had to be that entire cycle. And so where it started was when I started calling the first manufacturers and um, the manufacturer, they'd say, oh, is this your daddy's company? And, and, you know, right away, I thought this isn't the right solution for me because this right. every aspect of what I was doing had to be sustainable, had to be uh, organically uh, true to me. And so I just kept moving to the next manufacturer and I would ask questions like, is there any child labor? And the first thing that they would say to me is, we've never had anyone ask me this question. I said, well, have you ever had a woman ask, you know, as, as a CEO? Because the, the truth is women do business differently. And for women, we look at the world as our family. And so I didn't want my child to benefit on the backs of someone else's children. And um, so it was a very, very important fact for me. And so then I looked through the entire supply chain of how we can minimize. Well, first of all, I needed to make sure that the stainless steel that I was looking at, I wanted it to be um, the type that I'd see in, in uh, medical instruments, for example. When you look, you go to the, the dentist and they're using stainless steel. Why do they use stainless steel? And what is that grade? I wanted that grade. I wanted the grade that was FDA approved. I wanted the, the, the quality that is, meets all the other standards because Canada doesn't really have a standard. That's the problem. But I didn't want to start with a minimum standard. I wanted the top level standard. And so my starting point was the highest level for everything. It was the manufacturing. It was the, the raw materials. It was the process. It was end result. Um, it was functionality and it was disposal. And for me, that product doesn't have anything else on it, which with a single use, a single um, material, without any mixed materials, I can then take it to a metal recycling facility that melts it down, creates new sheets to create new product, and that cycle can continue. And to me, that's the simplicity that I'm looking for. It's simplicity in use and simplicity in disposal. Well, I, I think it's great. And I think, I mean, look, you brought out a lot of points. One of the, one of the things you, you, you raised was the notion of the, the female CEO and, and, and how a female CEO might look at things differently or females might approach things differently. There, there's also um, the mom side and the mompreneur side. You, you won an award for mompreneur, and I'd love to hear more about what mompreneur is. I think, I mean, I, I, I understand from the term itself, but it's quite an organization, a support organization with tens of thousands of, of people involved in it today. It is. And I think there's, there's so many women that create businesses and a lot of them out of a need for something they couldn't find. And so I think there's naturally this finding a solution type attitude, these, uh, these entrepreneurs that start with something very small and then grow it. And this was a network that worked for me. The, the other really beautiful thing about that is it gives you the permission to think differently because if most of the business schools are talking about a certain way this is what the business books are saying and this is what they're doing. I will tell you, when I started, they told me that's not how business works. You need a product to fail so that people can buy and buy it again. And you, you're supposed to look for the lowest cost so that you can create the highest margin. And that's how business works. And I thought, but that's not how my business works. It doesn't make it wrong. It makes it different. And so I needed to surround myself with people that saw what I was doing was of value. 
And, and it was a wonderful organization. And it still is. They've changed their name now to Revolution Her, um, to not exclude moms specifically, because uh, there's plenty of women that think differently and they're not necessarily moms. And so it's, it's more inclusive as a group, uh, but same sort of thinking is to surround yourself with people that, that believe in your vision and uh, can help you get to where you're going. That's really critical, isn't it? I mean, to have that vision and to have that purpose. I mean, especially as an entrepreneur, when we start out, <laughs> you know, there's the word audacity that a lot of people look at as a negative, but as an entrepreneur, if we don't believe in ourselves and if we don't believe in our values and, and, our, and our, our purpose, it just seems like there's always going to be somebody who's going to tell us, no, you're wrong. You can't do it that way. And we just have to have that undying belief, I guess, in, in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I think there has to be a commitment to just keep going. And, um, you know, I would agree also that, um, that everyone starts out thinking that's, that the knowledge and everything is outside of them. So they look to someone else to constantly validate and all of that. There's something that happens, and I don't know when it happens or what triggers it, but then suddenly you start to really stand in yourself and say, I do know this stuff and I do know more than what they're saying. And regardless of what they're going to tell me, I'm going to keep going. And I think that happened for me, I would say just before the pandemic. And I think it was around 2019 when I said, I think I can take this further and I'm going to tune everyone else out of this conversation and I'm just going to go for it. And, um, and I think that's, that's really when things started to change. So what were some of the things you've done and like, what is uh, the, is it growth and product line growth and distribution? What has changed for Dalcini that, or that you've put into play? I think it was, you know, testing out a whole bunch of different distribution channels. I, when we first launched, it was strictly e-commerce and I did it e-commerce um, and I have um, a lifetime guarantee on the products. And so this was really my testing ground. Was everything going to come back before I really mm-hmm. tried to scale? It was my, you know, let, let me see if this is going to work. And no one else will know if there's returns. It's in me. It's not public. And I can solve whatever issues there are. And so it was my, my starting point. Then, of course, when the pandemic hit, uh, just before the pandemic hit, I was starting to get into retail stores and I needed to grow and I needed to move into a retail space. And so we had really pulled I say we, uh, I was a solopreneur. <laughs> so it was me. So then I started to pull away from e-commerce, moving more into retail. And then of course, uh, moved into a larger space and all of our retail stores, when the pandemic hit, all of our retail stores closed like everywhere else. And uh, they were no longer ordering product. So suddenly I needed to figure out how am I now going to pay my bills? We ended up moving back to e-commerce, but e-commerce also requires a lot of promotion, advertising to get people to your website. So it's not, um, it's not an easy shift if all of your, everything that you've established was really to, to promote retail side of things. So I did pivot, but when I did pivot, I realized I don't have the infrastructure and the, and the money to really pump that up. So I went back to my original plan, which is, okay, I know we're in a pandemic, but I'm still going to go the retail channel. And um, lo and behold, Indigo called and uh, Indigo mm-hmm. had now a hundred stores across Canada that they wanted to fill with my product which was fantastic, but then it was the logistics. Okay, now how do we figure this out? How do we, you know, planes have stopped coming from India, which is where my products are made. So it was the logistics side of things. Once you sort out systems, everything 
you know, falls into place. And so now we are uh, retail. So we sell wholesale. We also do e-commerce. We also do, I guess, partnerships. Um, so other people will sell our products on their marketplaces and we do a dropship model. So we've looked at all of them. We've picked out the ones that work best for us. And it also, you know, when they talk about um, having sort of this diversified portfolio per se, um, I've really diversified so that whenever market shifts happen, I can focus my energies more on one and we can always have revenue coming in. Um, and when the perfect storm, we can have revenue coming in from all streams and that's really the future. That, that is, again, another great point of that whole notion of revenue diversification. And as we like to say, diamonds are created under pressure. And it seems like under pressure, you, um, you really rose to it, which is, which is great. There's something else you mentioned, which is really core to say hi to the future. And that's the notion of thinking differently. And, and we call our activation days, or they've been called by uh, senior execs in different parts of the world, days of thinking differently. Because we, you know, and I think you've, you have it innately, but most of us learn, you know, our math teachers teach us to start at the top and find out what X equals and Y equals. And our chem teachers start at the bottom with, a, you know, a, a beaker or a test tube and build up. But when we don't have complete information, you know, when we don't have everything in front of us, when we have those wicked problems to solve that, that is when you need to think differently. And yeah, is there, is there something that you can pass on on that thinking differently to, to the listeners? Is, this, is it innate? Is it just something that... You, uh, you know, <laughs> it feels like it's innate, but I really think it is speak to people that don't look like you and just listen to their stories. And I would say even when you travel, um, not to stay in the uh, resort where there's, you know, people that look like you. I would say venture off you know, I would think of when I went in grade 13, back in the days when there was grade 13, I went to um, France and I had, I did a summer in France. And I remember thinking, wow, like they really do things differently. They go to different stores. You, know, you have to go to a different store to get your bread. And, and there was beauty in different. And there was this, this notion of bread had to have a real quality to it. You didn't put it in a plastic bag to bring it home and leave it for a week. It wasn't a right and wrong. It was things are different and beautiful. And I think that was my starting point. And it's always been able to, wherever I travel, I always have open eyes to say, they do things differently here. Let me pick up the beauty of it. And I think it never steers you wrong. There is never a way that you can learn about another culture and have that be a negative. I, I think the more cultures you know, the stronger you are as a person and the better solutions you'll find. And, and also starts to, to build this, my solution shouldn't be just for me and hurt someone else. Um, and I think if we look going forward, you know, SDGs, you know, sustainable development goals, I think business today, there should be no business that, that goes forward unless they're thinking of the world. We are, you know, sure, we've got countries, we've got borders, but there's no more borders when it comes to business and and commerce and travel. And I mean, we saw with the pandemic, what started in one country quickly went global. The same thing for everything that we do, we have to think of the impact that it has on the world. And if it's not going to better us, I think we need to rethink it. Well, I, I think that's a perfect sentiment. And, um, and I think it's a great, again, you know, companies that don't have values, that don't have purpose, it's it's hard to have longevity because, you know, you're, you're working day, day to day. But I, 
I think the other thing with that is, you know, there was always that big rush to minimum viable product, get something out there and test it. And, and I fully understand that and, and I've done that, but to know that that minimum viable product is still good for people, can still help people that you would still in your business bring home and use with your own child or, or children maybe at this point. I, I think that's a, a perfect lesson for listeners too. You know, when what came out as a solution for me, the, the beauty is seeing the solution that's happened in everyone else's families that's picked it up. I have customers now that come back and purchase more and more and more. And it's not just that I'm benefiting, it's that they're benefiting. And we're cleaning up the world one step at a time, one container at a time. I think of how much just lunch containers alone. I mean, the product is now much larger than just lunch containers. But my start was lunch containers. Well, I look at what my daughter brought to pre-kindergarten. Um, she is still using the same container and she's in grade seven. And that's mm. the part that I just think is wild. Think of how much plastic that I would have been sending every day, 200 school days a year, um, buying new ones, you know, the new start of the school year, how much we're sending to landfill. That one difference, that one change that we made, now think of the 2 million kids in, in Canada. Now think of the 20 million kids in North America. That like the numbers just keep growing. And that's how change happens. It's one small change that has such a massive impact. And, and, and that's just with everything I do, it's um, every change that we make in the business. It's how do we improve the world going forward? That, that's, a, that's an incredible thought. I mean, as our time is coming, you know, close to an end uh, today, Nita, that um, I, I, th I think we should all hold on to that thought of, of how simple actions replicate and resonate to, to so many people. So what um, what are some of your next steps? Uh, what are some of the next things that you're going to do to help impact those millions of children or, the, or, or their families? Well, I was incredibly excited when I saw Oprah Winfrey uh, have my containers um, last week, <laughs> the beginning of, of January. I guess she went on a hike. And so, you know, I, I am seeing uh, more pickup in the U.S. So I think exporting is is... We have started exporting to the, to the U.S. I think now going forward, I think we continually um, find a new country to export to. And so that, that's the future is really just growing the company and, um, and, and helping families one, one container at a time. It sounds like you're certainly living it. So thank you so much for being on uh, Say Hi to the Future today. And, and I'm, I'm so happy because I think many families are that this this accidental business if you will or this you know it happened you, you followed your passion and uh, you certainly brought some incredible change to to into not just industry but to, to families as a whole well thank you so much for having me and listening to the story take care thanks bye if you enjoy this episode and you want to support our show, leave us a review and join our mailing list by visiting www.spider.works. That's S-P-Y-D-E-R.works and subscribe to our channel. Leave us a comment with who we should interview next. Thank you for listening and see you all next Friday.